Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the teachings of Pastor Michael Lance from Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona, California. It's our goal to reach out with God's truth to all people. Remember, you can learn more about Pastor Michael, the church, how to donate, how to contact us, and the podcast available on your favorite podcast app when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael Lance in part one of his teaching in Revelation 17, The Judgment of the Great Harlot. Luke 7, 36. Now, one of the Pharisees was requesting him, Jesus, to dine with him, and he entered the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. Luke 7, 37. And behold, there was a woman in the city who was a sinner. And when she learned that he, Jesus, was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster vial of perfume. Standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears kept wiping them with her hair, with the hair of her head, and kissing his feet and anointing them with the perfume. Now when the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who and what sort of person this woman is who is touching him, that she is a sinner. And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he replied, say it, teacher, 41. A certain money lender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they were unable to repay, he graciously forgave them both. Which of them, therefore, will love him more? Simon answered, 43, and said, I suppose the one, one whom he forgave more. And he said to him, You have judged correctly. And turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wipe them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but she, since the time I came in, has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she anointed my feet with perfume. For this reason I say to you, her sins, which are many, have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, your sins have been forgiven." And those who were reclining at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this man who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Go in shalom. Now in Revelation 17, if you turn over there, we have two women that are symbolic in the book of Revelation. And these two women represent two different paths, two different lives One of the women is described as a harlot. We would know the term as a prostitute. The other one is described as the bride of Christ. To skip ahead for a second so you can see the latter of the two, the bride of Christ, just take a peek with me at a few verses. The first I want you to look at is Revelation 19.7. We're in the marriage supper of the Lamb setting. We'll look at this in a few studies ahead of us, but it says, uh, let us rejoice, 19.7 of Revelation, and be glad and give glory to him for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Flip over to Revelation 21, look at verse 2. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, made ready, 21.2, as a bride adorned for her husband. If you go down to verse 9, Notice, same chapter, it says, 
One of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues came and spoke to me saying, come, he, come here, I shall show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. Sometimes in this imagery you have dual explanations. First the imagery is of a city, then it seems to be of a person or a people group. And so that's kind of how the book of Revelation works. In 2217, at the very last chapter of the book of Revelation, it says, 2217, the spirit and the bride say, come. Let the one who hears come. Let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who wishes to take the water of life without cost. Now we're going to flip back to Revelation 17. That is our study tonight. As we look at the judgment of the great harlot, I wanted to introduce this concept to you because I want to tell you that even though we're talking about a bride and a prostitute and really two polar opposites in this imagery, um, it is true that people who have sinned against God, uh, people who have fallen short of the glory of God, I'm sure this room is filled with people like that. Amen. We've all sinned, you can say amen, even to negative criticism. Because all you're saying is, when you say amen, by the way, you're just saying, I agree with that. So if Pastor Michael asks for an amen, it would be very gracious of you if you say, I agree. Unless, of course, you don't agree. If you don't agree, don't give me the amen. All right, there you go. Anyway. The reason it hit me to bring out the story about this woman that was probably a prostitute is to tell you that Jesus was a friend of tax gatherers and sinners, a friend of prostitutes and tax collectors. So there's hope for all of us, no matter where you've come from. I don't want you to take me wrong here that this image of this prostitute means that no one who ever had a lifestyle that was considered sinful ever came to Christ. No, if we come to Jesus, we can be forgiven of every sin we've ever committed. But this image of this prostitute is kind of the opposite. She's the contrast of the bride of Christ because of who she is and what she represents. And what she represents is really pure evil. She becomes a symbol for the world system in rebellion to God. Whereas the bride of Christ becomes a picture of a individual or a group of people, the church, who are showing fidelity to the lamb. They are married to the lamb. They are the bride. There is a relationship of monogamy there. And what I'm talking about is spiritual realities now. I'm talking about the fact that the Bible often uses images like harlotry or prostitution and adultery to speak of spiritual realities. When God makes comments about the ways of Israel and what they did wrong in times past, he said they played the harlot with their idols. He's not talking necessarily about the, the immorality, although sometimes immorality was associated with idolatry. He's talking about spiritual defection. He's talking about people who know better and suppress the truth in unrighteousness. They choose their path because they don't want to live under the auspices, the laws, and the love of God. In Revelation 2, I think it's verse 4, the church at Ephesus is told, you have left your first love, and it is possible even for the bride of Christ to wander. We uh, just studied the story of David on Sunday. He was in love with God, but he still made a huge mistake. But these categories are more fixed here in the book of Revelation. They become symbolic of two different responses to the lamb. 
One group of people who have shown fidelity to him. In fact, they're willing to die for him in the book of Revelation. They're willing to give the ultimate, uh, pay the ultimate price. But the other group is, has prostituted themselves. They have gone with the world system. They have taken the mark of the beast all for their personal pleasure or all for their personal preservation, which is short-lived anyway, because I'm sure you've noticed that most people ain't living past 100. So this life is temporal, temporary, and most people don't make it to 100. Although it seems to be odd, sometimes people who run marathons drop dead at 50, and then you have George Burns who smoked cigars and drank until he, he was 99 or 100, right? Done. Don't know how to, what did I, did I say something? Did he make it? Anyway, but he was God in one of the movies, and maybe that's why, I don't, I don't know. Never mind. You know, when you think about, and this is obviously an adult theme, but here it is. When you think about a prostitute, it is someone who sells themselves for gain. Now, let me qualify. People have ended up in prostitution because they've been forced into it. People have ended up in prostitution because maybe they had no other way out. But I'm talking about someone who ends up in that lifestyle. In essence, what they have decided to do is sell their body for money or sometimes to keep a habit going. Let's face it, a lot of people who end up in prostitution, it could be both males and females, are addicted to a substance. And so in order to uh, get the next fix, they sell their body. And then we have a lot of branches that go off from this tree. We have the sex uh, slave trade, and we have a lot of terrible, abominable things going on. But in this picture, if we just take the basic premise of it, a harlot or a prostitute is one who has decided, I will sell myself for gain. And the person who pays the money pays the money for the pleasure. So it's a two-way relationship, if you will. But it is prostituting oneself on both sides of the ledger, is it not? And, and for what? For a moment of pleasure. Uh, but basically, you end up defiling yourself and you break what's, what's known as a basic covenant in Scripture, a covenant of marriage, a covenant of, of fidelity. I was talking about all of this on Sunday if you were here, and I was talking about the fact that when you are with someone sexually, it, is, it leaves an imprint on your soul. It's not just some casual thing. And so this image of this uh, harlot or prostitute embodies a world, a world system, which most scholars would call it a system, which is anti-God. It will not accept God's ways. And, and in essence, what it won't accept is two things that really start with an L. It won't accept God's law, and it won't accept God's love. It won't accept God's law. I will do it my way. I will suppress the truth in unrighteousness. I don't want to be under God's commands, and it will reject love because God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish, they, ha they will have everlasting life. God did not send his son into the world to, to condemn the world, but that the world would be saved through him. But this is the condemnation, that, that God sent his son into the world, but men love darkness rather than light because Think about the words, because their deeds are 
evil. And they won't come to the light lest their deeds should be exposed. Does that sound like a decision to you? They won't come to the light. They won't come lest their deeds should be exposed. So they don't come. Because they don't want that light, they'd rather stay in the darkness. And the darkness becomes a metaphor for the devil and his kingdom, the world system. The light becomes a metaphor for the kingdom of God and the kingdom of light. This is the struggle. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Hey, Shane Lance here, and I wanted to take a quick moment and encourage you to subscribe to our devotional called A Step Closer. This is a quick read from scripture with a little bit of commentary, and it's a great way to keep you growing in your walk with the Lord. In our crazy society right now, with all the things we jam-pack into our schedule, I'll be the first to admit that sometimes it's hard to find time to study God's Word. But it is so important as we grow in our relationship with the Lord to study His Word. It's such a vital aspect to our walk. You can text STEP CLOSER as one word to 33222. Again, that's step closer as one word to 33222. We really believe here at Walk in Truth that this can be a great instrument in helping you grow in your relationship with the Lord. So once again, we'd encourage you to subscribe to our devotional called A Step Closer, and you can text step closer as one word to 33222. Make sure you subscribe to the Walk in Truth podcast, available on your favorite podcast app. Now... Back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. Men love darkness rather than light because, think about the words, because their deeds are evil. And they won't come to the light lest their deeds should be exposed. Does that sound like a decision to you? They won't come to the light. They won't come. Lest their deeds should be exposed. So they don't come. Because they don't want that light, they'd rather stay in the darkness. And the darkness becomes a metaphor for the devil and his kingdom, the world system. The light becomes a metaphor for the kingdom of God and the kingdom of light. This is the struggle. This is the the ongoing conflict of the ages. Will you follow God or follow the world? Will you march to the world's drummer or will you follow Jesus Christ? That's really what it comes down to. Jesus said, you're either for me or you're against me. You're either going to follow me or you're not going to follow me. Out of the gate, when he began preaching in the Gospels, he would say to those he called, follow me. And it has the essence of a command. It's not a suggestion. Do you remember the rich young ruler? What must I do to inherit eternal life? What good thing must I do? Good teacher? Hey, Sell everything you have, give it to the poor, follow me, you'll have treasures in heaven. Now, people get nervous right there. Does it mean that I have to sell everything I have to follow Jesus? Maybe. (laughs) Because there are some people who may be in that category. But for the most part, no. It was a specific deal to the rich young ruler because he wasn't following Jesus, he was following money. He was saying, show me the money. The God he followed was money. And Jesus said, you can't serve God and mammon. Money is neutral. It's the love of money that's the problem. Everybody with me? So Jesus says, here's your problem. You follow money. You say you want to follow me, but what you're following is money. So get rid of your God and follow me, and I'll give you treasures in heaven. Oh, but the... The rich young rulers, his, his face sunk. 
And he walked away sorrowfully. And by the way, if you've read the account before, Jesus does not run after him. He doesn't say, please come back. Let's reason together. Let's talk about this. Jesus let him go. And then he said, how difficult it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. It's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Well, who then can be saved? You're one of the apostles standing there. Come on, man. (laughs) I thought rich people were blessed by God. That's what I saw on television last night. (laughs) And Jesus said, what's impossible with man is possible with God. All things are possible with God. Amen? Because to 95% of the world, I'm not sure if you realize this tonight, you be rich. You're probably in the top 5% of worldly wealth just living in the United States of America. Hmm, kind of changes the story, doesn't it, a little bit. I was just a casual spectator until you said that, Pastor Michael. Come on. Anyway, (laughs) we haven't even done a verse of Revelation 17 and already you're in my kitchen. (laughs) All right, buckle your (laughs) seatbelt. I'm in my own kitchen. (laughs) All right, well, I'll try to recover from that. Revelation 17 says, one of the seven angels... We're supposed to be serious. We're in Revelation, people. (laughs) Who had the seven bowls came and spoke with me, saying, Come here. I shall show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters. I'm going to show you her judgment. Her judgment is now coming. She sits on many waters. I mentioned to you that the, the image of harlotry or adultery is used in a spiritual sense. If you're interested, Jeremiah 3, 8, and 9. Jeremiah 5, 7, Jeremiah 7, 9, and 10, and two very powerful sections in Ezekiel 16, 14 through 21, and Ezekiel 16, 36 through 43. Let me just kind of sum up what this says. God warned Israel, when you go into the promised land, I do not want you embracing the ways of the pagan nations. I don't want you to repeat their detestable practices. I don't want you, and then he begins to list the things that they do. This is the reason they're getting booted out of the land. Don't repeat their abominable practices. What did Israel do? Israel imbibed the ways of the nations. And if you were to name the biggest single problem for Israel throughout their whole history, what would you say it is? It was idolatry. It was idolatry. And it was captured in the fact that Israel was supposed to be the wife of Yahweh, and they cheated on him over and over and over again. And there's language in the book of Ezekiel that, I tell you what, I've been studying the Bible and teaching it for a long time, and I'll tell you, I don't quite know how to make sense of this, but God, in essence, says, you, Israel, broke my heart. Have you ever had your heart broken? Have you ever had someone that you trusted defect from you, cheat on you? It's pretty devastating. It happens all the time. Do you know that God knows how that feels? 
because he had given everything to this people group. He had led them out of Egypt with a mighty hand, and they cheated on him. And, you know, the New Testament says it's possible for us to grieve the Holy Spirit. That's Ephesians 4. I think it's verse 29. That means we can make him sad. We can, in essence, break God's heart. The only way you can have a broken heart is if you care. Amen? If I didn't care, it wouldn't break my heart. But there's things that, you know, we look at, whether it be news reports, people that we love going through tough times, or our own personal struggles or journey. It means that we care if we have a broken heart. God cares. In Hosea 4, 12 and 13, and you know the prophet was told to go and marry a woman that would cheat on him, perhaps even a prostitute. He said, my people, 4, 12 and 13 of Hosea, consult their wooden idol. Their diviner's wand informs them, for a spirit of harlotry has led them astray. They have played the harlot, departing from their God. They offer sacrifices on the tops of the mountains. They burn incense on the hills under oak, poplar, terebinth, because their shade is pleasant. Therefore, your daughters play the harlot and your brides commit adultery. And this is the the picture that God paints of wayward Israel. And the old hymn writer captured it because we all know that it's possible for all of us to fall. In fact, we read 1 Corinthians 10 on Sunday where it says, take heed, be careful lest you fall. And the hymn writer says, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, Lord, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. It's a struggle. You've been listening to Pastor Michael Lance on Walk in Truth. This has been part one of his teaching in Revelation 17 about the judgment of the great harlot. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. But first, a reminder, you can re-listen to today's teaching and previous sermons from Pastor Michael when you visit our website, walkintruth.com. Walk in Truth is also available for free on many podcast apps so you can listen in your own time. Apps like iHeartRadio, iTunes, Spotify, and many more. Search Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app and be sure to subscribe. Now, here's Pastor Michael. You know, as we study a tough book like the book of Revelation that has a lot of judgment in it, we begin to think about the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we don't want to miss this. We got to be reminded of this constantly. And it's this, that the wrath of God was poured upon Jesus instead of you and me. Where did he do this? He did this at the cross. And for many people, you know, they've heard about the cross. They know the what, but they don't know the why. And here's the why. We've all sinned. We all fall short of the glory of God. And should we stand before God cloaked in the unrighteousness of our deeds before God, even all the things we've tried to do good, we've sinned, we've fallen short, we're going to be judged and judged you know, meticulously because God is a righteous judge. But get this, the good news of the gospel is that Jesus Christ, God in human flesh, lived the perfect life that we could never live, went to the cross and drank the wrath of God, took the bowls, if you will, and the trumpets. He was on the cross, agonizing, taking the sin of the world on him so that we could be forgiven, so that we could be free, so that we could be delivered from the wrath of God and be right with the God of the universe. This is the gospel. This is what Jesus did for us on the cross. 
But you and I have to have a moment where we understand the cross. We understand our condition that we've sinned. We understand what Jesus did for us. He's the remedy. And then we receive the remedy. You know, it's one thing to know you have a problem and even know about a remedy. It's another thing to make it your own, to take the pill, if you will, to, to take the prescription from the doctor. And the ultimate physician is Jesus. He's paid the price. It's available. But you and I have to say yes. We have to say, I will. I will receive you, Lord. I will follow you. Today could be your day, my friend. If you've never met Jesus Christ, it's something this simple but this profound. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on that terrible cross. Thank you for taking the wrath for me. I turn my life over to you. I repent of my sin. I receive what you did for me on the cross. And through your resurrection from the dead, I believe it. I want to follow you. I want to know you. Change me from the inside out. Make me your child in Jesus' name. You know, you may need to rededicate your life to the Lord. And if that's the case, it's something very similar. Lord, I'm sorry for walking away. I'm sorry that I got back involved in this sin. I I don't want to waste my life. I want to rededicate my life. You know, you can consider yourself like the prodigal. Maybe you've gone wayward. You come back home. Your father's ready to receive you back and restore you. And if that's you, today could be your day of restoration. It could be a day of salvation and restoration. Just cry out to the Lord. He is so faithful and so gracious. If you need help with that, reach out to us here at walkintruth.com. Send us a note or do so through the app as well. When you download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app in your app store, the red logo with the pillars. We'd love to hear your story. Love to hear if you opened your heart or rededicated your life. Reach out to us today. We'd love to hear from you. God bless you. Be sure to come back tomorrow to hear part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Revelation 17 about the judgment of the great harlot. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. It's our goal to reach out with God's truth to all people.